The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Take the RBI. Boo, what RBI? Get out of here, you boo. boo. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's not, fine. That's not what you're being paid all that money to do. Stupid sack flies. Get out of here. We don't win with sack flies. They drove in a run. No. Pat, Pat Kelly could have hit a sack fly. That's right. <laughs> Dale Swaim could have hit a sack fly. What's going on, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here. And uh, busy sports night tonight, boys. We, you know, as we're, you know, so we usually record these things on Wednesday nights. And um, and get it up by Thursday morning, and you know, we got NBA, we got MLB, we got we, you know. Okay, so what's what's better right now? The NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, or the start of the baseball season? <laughs> wow, I was uh, well for me, I'm biased, but I'm an NBA playoff guy, so okay. we're we're good with that. And you know, I'm a buzzer beater, but uh, yeah, hockey's good. But um, I know Merv's Mister Baseball, so uh, you know. Yeah, it's really in the eye of the beholder, right? Like I, I've really enjoyed watching all these playoffs. I think maybe tonight, if if it was an unbiased, if it was an unbiased take, I think the game you should watch is probably Game Seven in the NHL between Boston and Toronto. Incorrect. But, the correct answer is it's NFL draft season. Oh, that's no <laughs> uh, 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 draft, baby. Thursday night. Got that. No, that's, got, that's, uh, yeah. We're gonna wrap spring football for you on the show. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna mash the panic button on baseball and softball a little bit no, later. Well, actually, well, actually, we we want to announce this. Me and Murph came to this agreement uh, with Sam Unger, our friend. Uh, <laughs> we're no longer calling it the panic button. We're just calling it the Jeff button because we feel that you're synonymous with panic, okay. and, and it's very. We're gonna so mash you, you've got the Jeff button. We're, we're gonna mash the yeah. Jeff button uh, yeah. on baseball and softball here, uh, and we'll also catch up on a couple other things. The Swords Awards were uh, yesterday. So that was kind of cool. We'll catch up on golf. We'll yes, catch up which, on yeah, that'll be fun. But Murph, Murph, you'll miss this tradition. This is the traditional episode where Jeff uh, breaks down the sword awards and he explains <laughs> to me what the heck that means. No, 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 no. What that means is, you know what the swords awards mean? It means that the bannies are right around the corner. That's what um, it, that's what that means. So, um, so we got to get our we got to get our nominees straight for all that. Anyway, uh, remember you can hit us up at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash black and gold banneret and on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. You can also follow us individually. Uh, Brian is at spokes underscore Murphy. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. And if you don't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Tell your friends, leave a rating, all that kind of business. Um, but we got plenty to talk about here, and we will start with the NFL draft. You're most likely listening to this on uh, Thursday. Uh, the NFL draft starts Thursday, April 26th, goes through Friday and Saturday, round one Thursday, rounds two and three on Friday, and then they finish up rounds uh, uh, f- uh, four, five, six, and seven on Saturday. And, you know, we've written about it. I've written a bunch of previews on the NFL draft stuff uh, for uh, on blackandgoldbanneret.com. We're just going to preview it for right now. And uh, talk real quick about the players who we think are going to go where they're going to go. So um, 
obviously we're, the, the four most likely players to go. Well, actually, I'd say the three most likely players to go at this point. Mike Hughes uh, for uh, UCF, the defensive back and kick returner. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, obviously. And uh, Traquan Smith. Possibly Jordan Aikens as well. Possibly Jemias Pittman. Possibly Aaron Evans. We'll see about that. We'll, we'll see about that as the as the draft goes far. But let's let's first talk about um, Mike Hughes, who is most likely going to be um, taken in the first round. Might go late second, depending on how things go. But you know, one year and there he is already uh, a top. Uh, uh, thinking they're going to be he's going to be a top pick. And uh, Murph, I'll start with you. So. The best situation. What's the best case for for Hughes? And what's the worst case for Hughes right now? The way it's looking is the best case that he works his way into the. I mean, he's he's. I guess you could say stays in the first round. We've all. I mean, if you follow the mock draft process and sort of how this whole thing operates, his stock for most of this season has has fluctuated between a top ten pick because I think Peter Schrager had him at number eight to the Bears. And then all the way back to like 31, uh, 30, 31. Um, and I think at this point, getting that late first round pick uh, tomorrow or Thursday would actually be his best case scenario because uh, a lot of teams are have questions and concerns about Mike Hughes um, dating back to his days in North Carolina, uh, where he was accused of where he was accused of sexual assault. So he is now dropping probably into the second round. His worst case scenario is that he drops to the end of the second round. Uh, most likely, that's his range. His best case scenario is into the first. The, by the way, a quick timeout point of order. It, it, he wasn't charged from what I saw with sexual assault. He was a charged. He was charged with um, misdemeanor no, he, assault with a deadly weapon. No, and I, I hope I didn't say charged. I said accused. Oh, accused. he was accused okay. of sexual assault at, at North Carolina, and then yes, he was charged with misdemeanor assault. Um, which was later dropped. Okay. Uh, in, this is 2015. This is pre UCF days, but obviously, right. when you've got you know 1,600 uh, you know executives combing through every player's profile, you're going to find this stuff. People have questions, but, and so yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. By the way, did you see that? Um, uh, there's a story on Deadspin today that they they took a uh, somebody leaked the whiteboard in the ESPN sort of um, production room. And yeah. they, they mentioned Mike Hughes as one of the guys with, quote, character issues, end quote. Interestingly enough, they yeah. also listed Baker Mayfield in there. Um, yeah. Which he did get arrested. I mean, yeah. look, if, if you get yeah. in trouble, any issues you have off the field, even if it's clear, the NFL is going to nitpick. They're going to nitpick it yeah. uh, to the nth degree. So I, I, I would not be surprised if Mike Hughes actually does not get drafted until the second round. It, 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 a lot of it, though, it's, you know, it depends on how this draft goes. How many quarter, how many teams, you know, quarterbacks go early, for example? Like, uh, how many trades happen? Who slips through the cracks? Um, it's that's why it's hard to predict. So, uh, I could see, for example, I could see him going as early as to the Raiders, uh, yeah. possibly. I, I could see John Gruden reaching for him there. Or I could see him drop into late first round. Maybe somebody trades up to get him in the for late first round. Maybe the Patriots uh, get him in the with one of their last picks. But at the same time, I could see him drop to the second round. It's not like he set the world on fire in his combine and or his uh, pro day and stuff right. like that. There's not. I, I agree with Murph. I've gotten that same sense. I could see him dropping out of the first round if if things if certain goes a certain way. 
I'm seeing a lot of Patriots popping up here, so I just thought that that was interesting. Let's move over to um, <laughs> let's move over to uh, Traquan Smith, yeah. who um, it, 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 he's kind of a little bit harder to gauge. I think you know I've seen the word sleeper associated with him a lot, and some of the stuff I've been reading. By, by the way, I've written about all these guys individually, uh, giving you a little breakdown of them on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Um, uh, Mark Lindquist of Roto World has him going in the fourth round, so that would be like early day three. Um, what I'm trying to ha- what I'm having a hard time um, figuring out is l- what kind of receiver is he? <laughs> uh, is mm-hmm. he is he a bona fide deep threat? Is he more of a slot guy? You know. What exactly is he to an NFL offense? I think they're going to look at him early on as sort of like, well, here's a guy who led the nation in plus 20 yard catches, 20 plus yard catches. So let's see if we can make him sort of a deep threat. I really think because of his physicality and how well he can block and how well he can sort of go up, uh, you know, in traffic and the high point balls, he's, he's really, uh, he's more of like a physical interior receiver, like big body possession guy, but he does have that speed where he can take the top off of the defense. So I would, I would like to see him play more out of the slot, but I think more teams are going to put him out wide and see if they can get his speed out. Yeah, That's what I thought he would be is more of a slot guy because he, you know, he's, He's fast, but not mind blowingly fast. He ran a four four nine forty, and but but again, he's not he's not overly big. He's not the he's not a six three six four, you know, basketball player type guy. He's six. He's listed at six one two hundred. Go ahead, Eric. What do you think? Well, well, here's the thing that's got in his favor is I think he's a really good route runner. Um, and, and Todd McShay made this point. If you look at the trend the last couple of years in the NFL draft. Guys that have been drafted early have not been productive because teams have been looking for the athlete, how fast the guy is, how great, you know, all this stuff. Like, for example, you know who was the best of the rookie class last year? Who's the best two receivers, uh, at least production-wise, last year? It was Juju Schuster. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster. And Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup. Definitely. Two guys that, that, that were not drafted early because they weren't the most athletic guys and they weren't fast. But what they were is they were the best route runners of that group. And they got a head start. Whereas other guys like uh, the kid that Cincinnati took from Washington, he's more of a speedster. He struggled. He didn't get on the field. So if Trey Kwan can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I knew you would be on top of that. <laughs> um, so I think Trey Kwan, by the way, CBS Sports has him going to the Titans in the fifth round. I think that I think Traquan's a round four, round five guy. I think Tennessee makes sense. I think the Jaguars makes a lot of sense. Remember, they kind of need receivers. I know they got some young guys, but they let you know Alan Hearns is gone. Uh, and they haven't really replaced him, in my opinion. I mean, they, they're I could see them taking a receiver that late. I could see the Dolphins taking a guy like Traquan Smith. Remember, Jarvis Landry now right. is over in Cleveland. I think Traquan is a guy with the. He's got to be on the right team. And in the right offense, where they'll use him and use his route running. And if he can prove to be a good route runner and his size in the end zone, then I think he can be a productive guy. Remember, D.D. Westbrook, who I like a lot, was drafted super late by the Jaguars. I want to say he was a sixth, seventh round pick. So sometimes, a, uh, yeah, yes, I think, I think some, he was a sixth round pick. 
So don't be a full, don't be like, you know, concerned if he doesn't get drafted until round four, or round five, he could, that might actually work better for him because yeah. there'll be no pressure on him compared to maybe guys that get drafted before him that maybe face more pressure. Three teams I thought would be really interesting to see Traquan Smith uh, at Washington, um, Atlanta, yeah. or excuse me, or four teams rather, Washington, Atlanta, Indianapolis, and, uh, and Arizona. Um, would be, probably be pretty interesting destinations for him going forward. Um, all right, so now we come to Shaquem Griffin, and he's been he's been making the uh, he's been making the, the media circuit. Uh, he was on CBS this morning. He was on the Today Show. Um, he is uh, he's the talk of the town uh, in Dallas, where they're holding the draft this year, or in Arlington, basically. But um, uh, it, you know. Based on uh, obviously on a story that we all know, and we're not going to spend all of our time rehashing here. Um, let's address. Uh, let's just address this outright, okay? Th- second, re- second day, third day, and what? Eric, we'll start with you. Where? What sort of a team would give Shaquem the best chance to have a successful start to his career? I think it's a team that knows that is willing to be creative with him because I think the big question with him, people get, people have focused a lot about the hand and all that. Really, the the thing that's probably going to keep him probably from being an early draft pick is I don't think teams really know what he position he could play. Is he a linebacker? Yeah. Is he a you know is he a cornerback? Is he a safety? What do, what do we where do we play him? And I think that's going to be the the tricky thing with him is teams that whoever drafts him. Has to have some, have to something in mind where how they want to use him. Uh, yeah, so he's that's listed at six one two twenty seven, right? And he ran a four right. three eight forty at the combine, which is he's the fastest, get by the way, right. fastest recorded forty time for a linebacker since they've sure. in the history of the combine. He's going to get drafted, and I guarantee you this: from the opening coverage on day two, whether you're watching ESPN, ESPN2, Fox, NFL Network, Bravo, whatever, a million channels that this draft is being covered by this year, which is absurd. Um, he's going to be the focus in that coverage. He's got, and People are going to be wondering, where does he go? Is he going to go here? He's going to be the focus for the next, those two days. Now, help me out here. Day two is what? Rounds two, three, and four? Is that right? Or is it just two and three? Just two and three. Two and three, yeah. I think he's he's a rounds two to four guy. I think he's either a late, a third round guy late in the coverage in day two, or right at the beginning of round of that third day's coverage. I think couple teams to keep in mind. I feel, man, don't you feel like that's a type of guy that Bill Belichick would just take take him, and he would just take him, and he'll figure out a way to use him both on defense and special teams. And we're all like, oh my god, the Patriots, they got him, they got him. And we're going to have like this conflicting emotions about, wow, it's great for him. Oh, we got to root for the Patriots now. Oh, I, good I, I'm, I'm actually, even though the attention is good attention, I actually don't think the Patriots would be the right place for him because I don't think Belichick wants a guy who gets any media attention, regardless of how, how positive or negative. I don't, yeah, but no, that's a, that, I don't think that's a, I don't think that comes uh, in. The, I think that's different than say a Tim Tebow that got a lot of attention for a guy who couldn't play. This guy can play. Yeah. Um, there's no question about that. And I think Bill Bell, look, Rob Gronkowski brings, as we've seen, brings a lot of attention. And I think Bill kind of tolerates it. So, and I don't think Shaquem's, I don't think the national media is just going to follow him every single step of the way. I think that 
Bill will control. But I think that's one spot. Uh, by the way, CBS Sports has him going round four, pick 105 to the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, that's the big question. I'll defer to you both. What position is he in the NFL is going to be the question. And I think the team that has an idea how to use him and, and, a, and has a role for him uh, will determine that. Like, I, I think he's I think he's more of a linebacker I, uh, I, that that can cover some guys. Don't you agree with that? I, I think it depends on which scheme you're running. I think if you're running a sure. if you're running a four three uh, if you're running a four three, I would be tempted to move him to strong safety. Um, and have him kind of sneak up into the box a bunch of times. On the other hand, if I'm running a 3-4, um, I mean, with his pass rushing ability, I would want him yeah. on. The, I would want him on the outside. I'd want him at that at that weak side linebacker position uh, in a in a 3-4, where he can either rush the passer off the edge, or he can, you know, take a tight end or a, or even a, a, a you know a, a slower slot receiver. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I I think you hit it right on the head. I think what's interesting is, you know, we we all entered this process with Shaquem not getting any love and any draft pre- any draft uh, buzz and was like thought of as like a seventh rounder and then he runs off the combine 438 and now he's like moving up and I now I've seen him in in multiple drafts, quite a few including one today on Roto World that's got him in round 3. And yeah. I think I think at the end of that second day um, I think you're going to see a team take him at the end of that second day, at the end of round three. I don't think he'll fall under. I don't think he'll fall into the third third day of the draft. Um, okay. I just, I, I think his. And again, this, I know they want to talk about scheme and fit and position, but he's also going to make you. He's, he also brings buzz to your team. Like people want to watch him now because everybody knows who he is. Right. Um, and I think that's important. Um, so I think he's going to be a guy like the back end of, of, of the third round that you could see that you'd see a team take him and and he'll be fine. He'll be there in Dallas. And he's already said it doesn't it doesn't matter to him how long he has to wait. Uh, he will be crying when his name is heard. And I think it'll be the end of Friday. I, I just hope that whatever it is that that everyone, including himself, that they don't look at this as sort of the the end goal, that this is that this is actually the beginning for him. I think it's going to be really interesting to see him on special teams. Uh, particularly in his rookie season, if he can work himself in on special teams as we've seen him do before, yeah, and he can find yeah, I, I right, think that he right will. defense. I think that it, it can get really interesting in a hurry. I, I agree with that. Let me ask you both this: Give me a percentage. What are the odds he ends up reuniting with his brother in Seattle? Ten percent. I want to go higher. I'd say it's uh, between thirty and forty percent, especially at the end of like, you know, once once a team has had a chance to make two or three picks. Uh, I think Seattle's going to like maybe delegate that third pick to to probably taking him at the end of the, wherever they are in the third round. Or um, I don't know exactly where their third round yeah. picks are, but I've, I think they would. They would look at that. I've also seen the Packers, Lions, and Jaguars uh, interested yeah. in him. So um, those are a couple other yeah, teams fact, to, yeah. to be associated to look out for there. You, you agree, I agree. In fact, on a previous episode here on the Banneret, we had Zach Goodall who covers the Jaguars and he was the one that broke the story that the Jags had would, had talked to Shaq uh, to Shaquem Griffin and liked him a lot uh, and they the question is could they figure out a role for him and the Jags would fit that because they like to move guys around yeah uh, you know in, in their lineups there so that that I, that's not a 
that's not a crazy prediction there with the Jaguars yep. as far as a, as a possible landing spot. Yep. Speed. And the Jaguars, the Jaguars do have the fourth to last pick in the third round. Oh, actually, yeah. it's because of compensatory picks. It's a little, it's a little earlier than that, but still, ninety third overall. I could, you could definitely see that, or you could see him in the Patriots at ninety five. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I I like where you're going with that, Murph. I think I think I'm I'm going to sign off on that with you on that. Right. Can so I correct? Can I correct one thing? I yeah. I did have D.D. Westbrook as a sixth rounder. He's a fourth rounder. It's a little thing. I just want to correct. Okay. Gotcha. Thanks. All right. I know that I know that you were going to get lambasted on Twitter for not correcting that. So um, hashtag facts. Hashtag facts, Jeffrey. <laughs> fake news. Um, Jordan Akins. Um, Jordan, I think is is an actually interesting case. You know, you we Eric, you talked about how Shaquem was kind of a tweener between is is he a safety, is he a linebacker? Jordan Akins is the quintessential tweener. Um, is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? He played both at UCF. He's 26 years old. He's tall, six foot three, a little heavy at 249 to be a wide receiver, a little light to be a tight end. I think he still needs to work on the blocking a little bit. He's he's you know he has that knee injury from 2015 that's got people concerned. Um, uh, again, I, I've seen him at Roto World. Um, They've got him going in the seventh round, almost almost Mr. Irrelevant at number 252 overall to the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals have expressed interest in him. Um, are, are we thinking Jordan is going to go, or would he almost be better off going uh, as a free agent? Oh, you know, I, I think that's a great question because some there are people that believe you're better off not being drafted than going in the seventh round. Because at a certain point, right. Right, because you get to pick the the spot, you know, like you get to go to you you can pick your spot like you think it's a good situation for you. Whereas sometimes you might just get picked, a team just picks you, but it's not a good situation for you. Um, so that's not that crazy of a thought there. Let's keep that in mind. If he doesn't get drafted, it's not the end of the world. Um, for whatever it's worth, CBS has him going to the Chiefs with the two hundred forty third pick, um, which I think is makes a lot of sense. Because remember, you got Travis Kelsey, who's a stud, the best tight end in football, arguably. I think wherever he goes, he's probably going to be at best a backup tight end. I don't mm-hmm. see him as a receiver. I think teams will try to use him as a tight end. I think you nailed it, Jeff. He's got to improve his blocking. Um, but I could see a team like the Chiefs with Andy Reid using him as a you know, possible backup to Kelsey. Um, what about Dallas? I mean, Jason Witten's getting up there. I mean, he's a million years old. Could the Cowboys try to kind of reach for him uh, to put him on the roster? Do the, a team like the Jaguars, yeah. uh, for example, reach for him? Uh, the Dolphins, uh, you know, I think t- wherever he goes, if he gets drafted, he's going to have to fight to be the backup tight end. Uh, I don't expect him to make an immediate impact in the league uh, for at least a, a year or two until I think teams again. And, and here's another one. Special teams. Can he play special mm-hmm. teams? Because, as you know, the NFL, when you make these roster cuts, they want, you know, if they take you in the seventh round, sometimes like, all right, we want to see if you can make play special teams because we might need you first on special teams. And then we'll worry about whether you're a tight end or a receiver later. Brother Bry. Yeah, I think it, it, we all know that it would be a shock if 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 he's off the board before round seven. He's either around seven or he's he's a free agent. He's a free agent. I think he'd be a free agent because you're going to look at a lot of teams in the back end of the draft who are taking guys with you know, quote unquote, high ceilings or big potential. And I just think, you know, Jordan at the age of 26 is not a very, is not a very sexy prospect. Even if you're picking in the seventh round, you want someone with 
uh, more, a higher ceiling and who has, you know, more to give you a 21 year old, not a 26 year old. So I think I, I would bet that he'll probably be a free agent uh, by the end of Saturday and then he can pick where he wants to go. And that's like uh, Eric said, that's that's that is preferable once you're at that, that stage in the draft. There's no doubt about it. Okay. All right. And let me ask. Let me jump yeah. on this. Let me jump on this. Is Aaron Evans a better candidate, more likely to get drafted in the seventh round? than Jordan Aikens because Aaron Evans is a guard. He's an offensive lineman, and as you know, teams always will look for offensive line. And so if Evans impressed someone, a team is more likely to gamble on a guard, an offensive lineman in the seventh round, than they might on a tight end. Is that is, Does that give a guy like Aaron Evans a chance maybe to surprise some people and maybe get drafted in the seventh round when people didn't expect it? Yeah, I agree. I mean, offensive, you can never have enough offensive linemen or defensive linemen. It's not like tight end. So, yeah, certainly. And, you know, again, like he's probably a guard, but obviously he has plenty of, of left and right tackle experience. Um, he's a big body. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see him if I, had, you know, I could see him being taken uh, before Jordan. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on that, though. I think Jordan's probably your best case to be, to be taken in round seven. I just don't think he will. So if, if it's me. I'm betting that there are three UCF players taken uh, this weekend. All right. So then let me put this to you. Uh, you like you kind of dovetailed into my question there, Eric, which is good. Um, some <laughs> other guys, you know, late rounders. All right. I'll, I'll throw some names at you. Shaquan Burkett. Um, you mentioned Aaron Evans. Jordan Franks. Um, Tony Gerard. Uh, and Jemias Pittman. Out of all those guys, do, do any of them – I'm guessing we already know what you're going to say – Brian, but do do you think any of those guys uh, hear their name called on day three? Well, I threw my I, I threw my Evans theory uh, because of offensive line because I do think that's a position that is of need and it's not easy to find. So if somebody catches his eye, I could see somebody say, you know what, let's just take him as a guard or tackle and see what happens. What what's the harm? Seventh round pick, right? It's value. Um, so if I had to pick one of those guys that gets drafted as Evans, I think everybody else is a free agent. I don't, okay. uh, I, I just don't see it. And, and, and Murph might be right about Aikens. Aikens, unfortunately, Jeff, I, the thing that I'm thinking to my head is that injury that he had against Furman. I remember it was yeah, the Furman knee. game, right? The yeah, it was, it was a returning a kickoff. And I know that he's returned from that, but NFL teams have this, they're like elephants. They have long memories and they, and they, they're always going to be skeptical about it, and and I just well, especially I a guy who the Mer- knee injury happened when he was twenty four years old. If he well, and that's yeah, the thing. If he was right, nineteen other- twenty, it would have been a different thing. Right, and the fact that you're right, and the fact he's twenty six, the see, you know, there's not going to be like, oh, this guy's a twenty year old that has a lot of upside. They're going to hold the age against right. him. Right. It's it's uh, like it's like well, not. you know what you're going to get. Exactly. Yeah. So. To Murph's point, that might be what keeps him from being drafted, and okay. he might just have to end up finding a spot. It just it it you know the seventh round is such a crapshoot. It's just at that point is, did you impress somebody that says you know what I'm worth to take a gamble on this kid in the seventh round? I'll just go on a limb and say I think Evans has a shot because he's an offensive lineman, uh, and I think teams always look for offensive linemen. I wouldn't be surprised if a team like a Green Bay a Tampa Bay, heck, your beloved New York Giants. I mean, good Lord, they could use a you know number of offensive we linemen. Use, we could use just about everything, to be honest with you. I'm not so, As I continue to interrupt this podcast, uh, according to NFL.com, 
the fifth highest UCF player, the fifth highest grade for an UCF player in this draft is actually Jemias Pittman, slightly ahead of Aaron Evans. Okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Jemias, you know, definitely a run stuffer at six one three zero one, and uh, you know, Tony Gerard actually had it. He's he's even bigger height wise at six three. You know, you got two big run stuffers in there that that could possibly make some noise. Um, Jordan Franks, I don't know what you're going to get from him, you know, considering that he, he kind of played all over. During his time at UCF, this, I, I thought this was interesting. This was from um, Luke Saris at SB Nation, um, he, uh, who mentioned that, you know, he had uh, a four six one forty, and his time at UCF, he played linebacker, DB, wide receiver, and tight end. So uh, he's projected as a tight end at six three two thirty two, but... You know, again, we don't know what we're going to get on that. And then, uh, and then, you know, I really would love to see Chaquan Burkett get a shot somewhere. Six two two twenty nine, the linebacker. You know, we know his story as well. Um, yeah, uh, had a pretty good pro day out there. So, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of things. I will say though, this is this has been the the best uh, NFL draft stock for UCF coming out of UCF in uh, in a few years. So. Um, mm-hmm. definitely worth paying attention all three days. It's, it, it's funny, like, when you look at UCF, you're like, okay, which days of the draft should we pay attention to? This is an all-three-day year. It yeah. could be. And, yeah, I mean, I, it will be. It should be right. I mean, I think let's make, let's make bold predictions here. Let's have some fun okay. with this. All right, let's make predictions. Mike Hughes, first or second round? First. Um, it's not bold to say second. It's going to be a second rounder. Okay. I'm going to go with Murph here. I think Murph talked me into this. I think the off the field stuff, fair or not, I think could drop him late first, early second round pick. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, where is he going? Third. Third round. Yep. Third. All right. I'm with you guys. I, I like it. Third round pick there. Yeah. Traquan? Fourth, but he really should be higher, but I'm going to say fourth. I'm going to say third, too. I, I think, think he's one of the first I, picks. He, he's one of the he, first picks in the fourth round. I think he. Th- there's a possibility, depending upon how the wide receiver. Right. Um, how the wide receiver crop goes, he might get drafted ahead of Shaquem. Ooh, yeah, that, that Ooh, might I like Ooh, a little, right. little. You, I like that. You, want, just, you wanted some hot takery. I just gave you yeah, some hot takery. Like so there you go. <laughs> I like, I like that. That's what I'm talking about. Um, Murph, you're going on record saying Aikens doesn't get drafted. Yes, Jeff, seventh rounder. I'm gonna say. I'm going to stick with the seventh rounder, and I'm going to boldly say that I think one other guy will get drafted that nobody expects. And I'm going to say I'm going to stick with my guns here and go with Evans, although Pittman certainly could be that candidate. But I could see Evans getting taken in the seventh round as an offensive lineman just because of need. But Pittman defensive lineman could also be qualified under that category. But I'm going to say one of one of those two will get drafted. I think I think Evans will go too. In fact, I could see him going okay. like even in the sixth. Guy that big. Oh my. That's, no! Whoa! Wow! Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! No, a guy, a guy that, a guy that big. Teams want offensive linemen. Six four three zero nine. Man, sign me up. Okay. <laughs> Murph is like right now wondering what you're drinking. Listen, Jeff. listen, don't, listen, don't, don't, don't ask me for hot takery and then slam me for the hot takery. Give me a break. I'm not. Well, I, 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 I mean, excuse my initial reaction, but really, I mean, you could be right. I mean, all of this is a crapshoot. We all know this, so is, why not throw it out there? Why, and see what why the hell not? All right, so. Um, all right, so 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 that'll be the wrap on the NFL draft. We're scheduled first round tomorrow or t- tomorrow Thursday. Thursday. Um, and it was to start eight o'clock. Yeah, 
Yeah. On a million sure. channels. We'll go, yeah. For some reason, that's the dumbest thing in the world. Just have it, just have it on the NFL network and be done with it. Um, and no, and, and no, and no Twitter twip, no Twitter tipping. Say that five times fast. Yeah. We'll see no about Twitter that. Tipping. Someone's going to start tipping stuff, but yeah. Right, so, <laughs> so by the way, so here's the breakdown. The draft starts at eight o'clock, eight o'clock It'll be on ESPN on Thursday. That's the first round. You've got the college game day version if you want to watch that on the deuce. So they got to break it down from a college football standpoint. You got Fox and NFL Network simulcasting their draft coverage on those respective You can't get that many networks to cover the State of the Union for crying out loud. (laughs) The second round second round is at seven on Friday, and then the third round um uh second round and third round start uh seven o'clock Friday. Fourth through seventh rounds start noon Saturday. So uh, keep an eye on that. Fox will only, by the way, Fox will only do rounds one through three. ESPN NFL Network will carry all seven rounds. So, um, okay, this takes us to the guys who are actually currently wearing black and gold. So let's talk about, real quick, I want to just touch upon the spring game. Um, does anyone know what score, what the score was? What the hell with that? No, no, no one even cares. Um, UCF won 17-14. They beat UCF. <laughs> um, you were there, Brian. Good things you saw. G- give me the best thing you saw and, like, the thing that gave you the most pause. Oh, uh, you know, the the, the defense. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to come on. I know you're like, I don't really know. thinking hard about this. Really, I mean, this is a spring game. It was, it was just not. It was all a haze. It was just like, what, what is happening? Um, I, I, you know, you want to see a little bit better play out of the defense. I think that's something that we've heard throughout spring. Is like, but they, they, they only Heibold. held us to thirty-one total points. So the, okay, <laughs> Jeffrey, Jeffrey, there was a running clock starting with the first play of the second hey, quarter. I'm just like I'm they just, want. I'm just pointing it they, out. <laughs> they want. They want to get out of here. Get out of here so yeah i understand 31 points or whatever but I, I, you didn't see anybody stand out terribly i thought like there were a couple guys who did stand out one the, the guy who was the most was the star of the show was running back Greg mccray uh mccray looked great shifty and even though he's like not a big dude he completely flattened richie grant on a run up the middle in like the third quarter it was amazing um he was Brandon really helwig posted a great photo of that by the way yeah, yeah, I saw it. It does. I mean, he just literally like just ran over him. And again, Greg is not like you're like Jerome Bettis type back. He's pretty he's pretty slight, but he carries some wallops. So that was fun to see. Um, McKenzie threw an interception. So, you know, let's bring in the backup or QB controversy or something. Um, but I thought <laughs> overall it was fine. I think you did see that Dredrick Snelson is probably the number one. If if there's a guy who's a number one receiver, the first look for McKenzie out wide, it's probably Dredrick Snelson. Um, but, you know, they got weapons. They got Gabe Davis and they got uh, Marlon Williams. And they, they've they messed around with, with Otis Anderson, teaching him wide receiver fundamentals this spring. Um, so they got weapons. But we knew that. We, this team's going to score a lot. I think the question is, are they going to be able to stop it a lot? Gee, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't said that in like I haven't said that in like five months. Elo, I know you didn't take a look at it, but were the, was there a concern that you had? Uh, no, because we're not going to learn anything about this team until I think the earliest September 15th. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, when they play North Carolina, because I think the first two games of the season are scrimmages for them. So, uh, no, I, I look, they're going to be a talented team. I think Josh Heupel is going to be fine. Uh, 
I think the question will be, obviously, who replaces Shaquem Griffin? Who's going to be the leader on that defensive side of the ball? Will it be a guy like Chizinski? Will it be a guy like Trey Neal? Uh, who's going to be the who brings the intangibles that Shaquem Griffin did? I think those are questions. But again, I don't think you're going to learn that in the spring. Um, it's a good roster. Um, we won't know that until the season. That's why I always laugh about the spring games because <laughs> if I remember correctly, and I and I and I'm reminded of this because Chris Vanini of the Athletic wrote a story about Mackenzie Milton. Uh, really good feature. I, I recommend it. And a year ago at this time, I think people are wondering, geez, is Mackenzie Milton even going to be a good quarterback? <laughs> okay. So, well, we answered that question. <laughs> so that's my point. Like, you don't know, like things develop, summer happens, fall. I think fall ball, I'm more of a fall practice guy. I think you get more when they do a practice and scrimmages in the fall and uh, get into game action than you do. No, nobody ever says, wow, this spring looks really different. I mean, uh, it might be for a couple kids that maybe feel like they're not going to be a part of the team and maybe they'll transfer. I'm not saying that's happening in UCF, but it's going to happen across the country. But uh, let's be honest. The spring game is the most worthless sporting event in the entire country. I'm glad you clarified that by saying sporting event. All right. Look at it. Is it a good time for, for us, Jeffrey, to now plug the article about the spring game you have on the site and the article that I'll have up on the site. Yes, tomorrow. If, you, if you do not think it's useless, you can hop over to blackandgoldbanneret.com. I've got a breakdown <laughs> of the spring game. Uh, it, was the, it was the top four questions that we wanted to get answered, and maybe we got some wow. answers based on them. Uh, and then, uh, Brian, what do you have going on up there? And I, I'm actually going through the takeaways from the entire spring the entire month and a half odyssey that has been Elo about what did we see? Who stood out? Meaningful takeaways from March football. Yeah. Right. So, so actually, I just remembered now my biggest concern. What was the media spread like, and how was the emotions <laughs> in the press box knowing that this was Juan Torribio's finale as a UCLA and writer. Shannon and and Shannon yeah. too. Shannon Owens Green too. Don't forget. Oh, did, was, you, did you shed a tear? You shed a tear, didn't you? I, I, I kind of almost did. It was, it was, it was weird seeing him. I mean, first of all, can I just go like, I'll, I'll give it like a 90 minute recap, 90 minute, 90 second recap. I was going to say, we only pod- have so much time. <laughs> this podcast has already gone on long enough. Um, uh, there were, they, they had balloons on each of their chairs in the press box. Shannon brought in cupcakes, which she had planned for Juan's uh, going away. And then this week it turned out that by the way, it's her last day as well. So there was like sports themed cupcakes uh, it was really nice and sweet. We took pictures and, and it was just great. The media spread, it was like box lunches. We had like boxed like uh, turkey roast beef sandwiches with like chips and a cookie. But they ordered so many. They ordered so many. There was like dozens left over. So I'm not kidding. I ate one before the game. I ate one during the game. I took two home. <laughs> You didn't you didn't bother to give us one of us? Okay. One of them was here? Come on. The the, the, roast, you know, the, the the roast beef would have gone bad by then, but I'll tell you, it was the best spread because I just—it was like an all-you-can-eat. It was all-you-can-eat. Wow! This is, this is the uh, this is the, this is the breakdown that all the fans came here for. All right. By the way, yeah. Um, <laughs> so so that that will put an end to our uh, to uh, what we mentioned to the spring game stuff. So all right, <clears throat> let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will uh, talk baseball. We will talk softball. Hopefully, I will not. Neither I nor Eric will uh, will pass out when we do that. So, uh, and then we'll also catch you up on golf uh, and tennis as well. So, stick around. Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. 
The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give him a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WeSellOrlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hey, Night Nation. Head volleyball coach Todd Dagenet here. And I'm Dr. Jasmine Hunter from Aoi and Joe Wings. As many of you know, the UCF volleyball team will be competing in Puerto Rico this summer. However, there's far more to this trip than just competition. This past fall, my home country of Puerto Rico was devastated by two hurricanes. Basic needs such as food, water, and shelter continue to be a significant concern. This is where we are asking for your help. Now, Dr. Hunter's foundation landed the second airplane in Puerto Rico as the hurricanes were passing. They started to supply the island with basic needs and continue to do so several times a month. But there is one area of need where the students and the community of UCF can really assist in our efforts. We are excited to partner with the UCF community to begin a massive closing drive to help my fellow Puerto Ricans in need. As this semester is ending, we're asking you to go through your clothing and donate any lightly used items to our collection efforts. Donation centers will be set up centrally at each dorm complex on campus. Simply drop off the items at the collection sites. The people of Puerto Rico will be extremely grateful for any donation. Please show them that Orlando's hometown team is there for them in this time of crisis. Night Nation, after our historic year on the playing fields, let's show the country that we stand with our neighbors in our community and our neighbors in the desperate need on the island of Puerto Rico. Please donate your unwanted clothing as this semester is ending. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fakely. And I'm Trace Trolko from Nightline. We know how it feels to accomplish 100 episodes. Nightline has been going strong since 2014. Congratulations on reaching the 100th episode milestone. And thanks for being a part of the UCF conversation. Be sure to check us out, too. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. From the home of Nightline, Nightline Now, Nightline Extra, Nightline Overtime, and Nightline Postgame Live. Congrats. Go Knights and charge on. And welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here. Uh, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret and Black and Gold Banneret.com. All right, everybody, it's time for the moment you've all been waiting for as we discuss baseball and softball. And I am mashing the Jeff button. The, pan- the big red panic button on my desk is just going off constantly. Um, we we'll need start. to come up with like a sound. You need to come up with like a drop every time, I, just instead, you know, announce <laughs> it like a big sirens or, or something. Here, here, I got it right here, right here. Here it is. All right, so um, so let's start with baseball. Uh, who won uh, one to nothing in the 
opener of the series at USF, and then lost the last two, five to four and uh, four to two. So um, the baseball team right now twenty seven and fourteen, but six and six in the conference. Um, yeah, it's never good to use to, to lose to USF. It always hurts. It, no matter what sport it is, I don't care what you are. Now I'm not saying that that's the reason I'm panicking. The reason why I'm panicking, Brian Murphy. Bottom line is they're not even in the top half of the conference. What's going on here? No. Uh, well, let's say this: that series against USF was was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, for who? One nothing. <laughs> no, for both. For, for both. I, I understand you don't want to lose, but really, a, a lot of good baseball there. One nothing Friday game. Pretty friend Frock earns pitcher of the week honors in the American. Uh, very much deserved. He has struck out 15 batters in his last 11 innings um, and given up exactly one hit in that time. That's sort of like the, the, the story. That's sort of like the on story. The on field story of the week is like, so what does this team do with Cree Finfrock with you know, Sheridan's sort of mysterious fatigue and JJ Montgomery not being quite as dominant and as, as unhittable as he was early in the year. Like, do, do you just keep Finfrock as sort of a midweek starter, or does he deserve a spot continuously in this weekend rotation? But that, that's a long conversation. Let's just start with this. I This team is now, uh, depending on what you look at, two and a half or three games out of the conference uh, standings. I apologize. For the, for I, the, I, for the record, I they're should, seven and eight. They're yeah, they, seven are, and they eight. are seven they're and eight. eight. And I, I figured out I, the reason why, by the way. I, on UCF's website, it doesn't list the USF games as conference games for some reason, so it didn't factor into. Well, the- oh, that's right. That's so weird. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. That, I don't know why that happened. But um, heads up, yo. Well, yeah, anyway, go ahead. So they're seven and eight. So they're three games out of the uh, first place in the conference. Houston's ten and five. So at this point, uh, it's going to be a, a a tall hill, a steep hill to climb to sort of get back to where you were, which is winning the regular season turn regular season conference championship, and then. Maybe you can pull up something in, in, in the postseason tournament. But really, this team is still got everything. Like, it still kind of controls its own destiny in terms of, like, does it want to reach the NCAA tournament? Uh, it's RPI isn't great at 49, but it's on the fringes of both the baseball, baseball, it's on the fringe of the baseball America uh, most recent projection for the NCAA tournament, which came out today. And also came out today was the D1 baseball projection for the tournament, which had UCF actually in the tournament. Yeah. As a three seed in the Tallahassee bracket, hmm. and this yes. back in tally shocker, yeah. golly. So really? and this this team, <laughs> this team. I, I understand the USF loss was tough, but this team has at least six and maybe as much as nine games left with teams with an RPI of twenty five or better. I say maybe nine because Oklahoma right now is at twenty seven. And they play US they play UCF here in Orlando in a couple of weeks. But this weekend they get they get Wichita State with an RPI of nineteen. Uh, a team that just got swept against Houston. Uh, a team that is not pitching well at all in conference, although they do have some very good hitters. Uh, Alec Bomb Alec Baum stands out. But uh, but this is this is a series UCF needs to win because both these teams need to keep climbing. Uh, they probably can't. UCF cannot afford to lose two out of three here at home, especially in conference again. But there are so many good opponents left on their schedule. It's sort of like what Eric pointed out last week with Jacksonville and FAU. Like, there's a lot of quality wins left on the schedule, and UCF needs to pick them up. Um, doesn't mean they need to sweep everything. They mean they may need to sweep, you know, 
Tulane at home at the end of the year. That'd be nice. But uh, they need to win series. They need, they need to win two out of threes. Now, By the way, yeah, go ahead, to Derek. Murph's point, they went one and two against USF, and both D1 Baseball and Baseball America got them into the field. They weren't in the field last week, and they got them in. Why? Because USF's a quality win. Um, and that's the benefit yeah. when you play in a top five conference league is you're going to play quality games and you're going to have a chance to improve your resume. So I kind of agree with Murph. I don't think I'm going to press the Jeff button just yet because <laughs> yeah, you have plenty of opportunities to get in. I do think the Wichita series is significant uh, because if mm-hmm. you lose that series now, all of a sudden it's like, boy, you know, can this team get over the hump? Because I feel like Murph, this has been the story since the opening weekend of the season when they beat Virginia. I remember they beat Virginia on opening night and everybody was excited and everybody was thinking, but then they lost to Rice and Sanford. And so what looked like a promising weekend turned into one and two. And that's kind of been the story, hasn't it? Every weekend, it seems like, I remember we talked about this last week. You were very concerned about the Friday night game with Cree Finfrock going against USF's ace. And it turns out, that's the game UCF won. Yeah. If you would have said that last week, you, know, you would have been like, oh, they would have won the series. But they didn't. It was just a – but it's kind of been that kind of year where, you know, they get off to the good starts on the conference play. They use – I don't think they've lost a Friday game this year um, or a first game of a conference series, but they've just not been able to close it out and win a conference series uh, except for Cincinnati. But um, it's been that kind of a weird year there, but it's close. Like to your point, I watched the entire USF series. A pitch here, or a pitch there. UCF could have easily swept that series, or one, two out of three. So, I'm not, you know, I'm not discouraged. Yeah. There's two good teams that are even, and as you've said this millions of times in baseball, sometimes you know a ball bounces against you. Baseball is full of just vagaries. It's just a random game. It's so amazingly random and beautiful. Uh, I'm keep almost turning into Bill Walton. Baseball weird. I'm almost turning into Bill Walton, like just espousing praise on baseball it's it's like a rainbow on top of another rainbow uh look it's i think the interesting thing isn't really like like yeah here's a here's a hot take ucf needs to win a series like that's of course they do (laughs) i think what's more interesting is like so how are they gonna handle this pitching rotation now and i don't know this yet i will hopefully i have answers by the time people are listening to this on thursday because i plan to talk to uh greg lovelady and Cree Finfrock uh, Thursday afternoon. Um, but, like, you know, how is Joe doing? I don't know yet. Montgomery pitched pretty well on Sunday, got done in by, again, a, a, another another big inning that was started by an error, basically, against USF on Sunday, which has sort of also been another big theme for this team. It's just errors and poor defense and bad timing. Um, has But is Cree pitching so well? Because you can't move Chris Williams anywhere. Chris Williams is locked in that rotation probably on Saturdays. I think Joe, whenever he's ready to come back, has a spot because he has just been so consistent for the better part of almost two seasons. And is Cree pitching his way into that that Sunday spot? Is does does JJ need to watch his back, or would they put Cree, keep him in midweek, and have him face teams like FAU and Jacksonville, which again may not be a bad thing because FAU and Jacksonville have RPIs at sixteen and seventeen. Those are big gets. Those are big games you have to win. Yeah, um, yeah. And so those you are big games, too. you got to as I'm, lucky as having those opponents late in the season, midweek, and they're really going to end up helping you out. Usually, those kinds of opponents never help out UCF. Right. And they have Jacksonville and FAU. But like FAU, they got two games against FAU. they got a game against Jacksonville. Obviously, you've got three games against Wichita State. And if you count the three games against Oklahoma, they've got, they've got nine games left. 
out of, I believe, the 15 remaining. Uh, nine games left that have an RPI, uh, opponents with RPI of 27 or better. It's yeah. just, just uh, like, do you want to make the tournament? Okay, well, here you go. You got a 15-game slate, and, and you're, on the, you're on the precipice right now, according to, according to multiple projections. They want to win. They need to come out of here with a winning record. They probably need to win 60% of these games. Um, we'll see what happens, but I really am intrigued with, uh, with, with how they're going to handle this pitching staff. Would they move JJ maybe back into the bullpen, even though, even though they already stretched him out to be a starter, but he was so dominant when he was able to be only used for like two or three innings, and like was able to let his stuff go. He was just able to throw harder. He was so much more dominant early in the year. And I don't know, hopefully questions will be answered on Thursday for me. And I'll be writing about that tomorrow night on the website. Interestingly enough, UCF baseball right now, number one in the American in ERA as a team at 2.98. They're the only team under three, but they're also dead last in fielding percentage and errors committed 54 errors a 964 fielding percentage as a team so yeah it's all i mean jj gave, jj gave four runs they said they gave jj gave four runs on uh sunday against US, usf would you like to guess how many runs how many of those runs were earned zero it's it's zero so you know Guys shore that up, but we've been saying it all year, and it's been a disappointment how this team just sort of kicks itself. Right. Well, they're going to get gonna get their chance to get back off the schneid against Wichita. Three-game set starts Friday at 6.30 at John Juliano Park. Uh, sat also Saturday, 6.30, and Sunday at 1, followed by a uh, home game against FAU at 6.30 on Tuesday. And uh, Murph, as you mentioned, uh, Florida Atlantic. Where? A dog on it. I had it for a second. Where are they in the RPI again? I, oh, there they are. They're at uh, they're at sixteen. They're at seven. The, they're at seventeen in Jacksonville. They're at sixteen in Jacksonville's at seventeen. Right. So there you go. Back to back, really good midweeks coming up. So all right. Um, contrast that with softball, and I know Eric Lopez, you are really hitting the panic button on on UCF softball right now because oh, they go out to um, they go out to uh, uh, wait. Were they? They're at Wichita. Yes. And the way, and the way they lose these three games, they get swept by Wichita. Nine eight in the first game on Friday, five four in the second game on Friday, and then they get run ruled ten nothing on Sunday. Um, this was just like you want to throw your laptop when you you know when when you see how they how they came up short um, in this game. Uh, in these three games, um, you know, we start out, you know, looking at on Friday, um, it was looking so good, right? They came back from down five to one, um, to take an eight to five lead into the bottom of, they go to extras, they go to, they're up eight to five. They score three runs in the top of the eight and then they give up, um, they give up two, two run homers, uh, in the eighth to lose it nine to eight. Friday, the Knights are down three nothing for most of the game. They score four in the sixth to take a four to three lead, and then they give up another walk off home run to lose five to four. And then, um, and and then in the game on uh, Sat, or excuse me, on Sunday, um, yeah, they they just got clobbered ten to nothing. Um, it, it, was it? I think. I think Wichita had five runs in the third. Yeah, that game was over in an hour and thirty-two minutes. Um, gosh, what happens now? Like, what happens now with this team? Now, I know that they're, they're you know, okay, thirty and nineteen overall. Uh, 
eight and seven in the conference. But I, I mean, those are just 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 stab in the heart losses there. Yes, in Jeff, conference, thanks, Jeff. Jack. Yes. Thanks for stating the obvious. Yes, Murph. Yes. If you can tell, Murph. Yes. Jeff's the same one who was texting me right after the walk of, hey, do you believe this? Like, thanks there. I'm just really not in a good place to discuss this. And thank you, Jeff. I'm in a really emotional. Hey, do you believe that? Yeah, I saw it, Jeff. I saw it. Um, yeah. I mean, the doubleheader Friday, both walk offs the same night, doubleheader. Uh, this is what I've called 11 years of softball. And I follow the program. I would say the Florida State 2015 regional in Tallahassee is probably the most gut-wrenching loss. They were three outs away from the winner yeah. going to the regional final with both All-American pitchers ready to go. They lose it on a walk-off, crushing loss. I think back the 2014 American Conference title game in Houston against Louisville where they lose the game on a wild pitch. That's right up there. Uh, regular season-wise, 2010, they played Florida in front of a sold-out crowd had a lead going to the seventh inning only to see Florida come back and win. Those are some of the most painful losses. This, that Friday doubleheader in Wichita goes right up there. I mean, it's this gut-wrenching of a losses that I can remember. Uh, and you described it. Uh, they fell behind early, came back, took the lead, and couldn't hold the lead. Now, we talked about this last week on the episode. One of the keys in this series, Wichita has the number one offense from a home run standpoint, power offense. Can they keep them in the park? Well, I can tell you that it was wind was blowing out in Wichita and mm-hmm. uh, the strike zone was very tiny because umpires in softball are about as competent as well. They're not competent, actually. It'd be, a, it'd be an insult to call somebody competent in umpire. They're embarrassment. That's why the sport will never grow. But that's beyond the point. Um, they couldn't keep them, uh, you know, the ball in the park. I mean, Wichita hit them with home runs, the two, 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 two run homers. Um, and I think by Sunday, psychologically, sometimes this happens, and I knew this was going to happen on Sunday. If we, I said, if Wichita gets off to a quick start, this is going to be a long game because psychologically, you're just beaten. I mean, that's two emotional losses for two a young team that's tough to handle. Um, and it's cruel because they actually got help. USF lost two out of three to East Carolina. So if they would have won, held on to those two games, they'd be in first place in the league right now. Yeah, They'd be in first place and in the position to be in the NCAA tournament, possibly win the league. Instead, they lose the two games. They get swept. Now they're two games back of USF, and I think face a must-win series to keep their hopes alive of a conference title and keep hopes alive of an at-large bid. I think if they lose this this series, I think more than likely they're going to have to win the conference tournament, maybe get to the final to have a shot to make the field of 64. That's how crushing those two losses are. And I think, Jeff, if we look back, uh, unfortunately, if they don't make the tournament, that's one. That's a day that will be remembered. It's unfortunate. It happens. It's part of the game. But now they got to. We're going to see how they regroup. We we'll see how they bounce back. They've not played this week. Obviously, there's final exams going on that they had to take care of and still are taking care of as we record. And uh, I will be with them. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, I'll probably be in Tampa. We're going to see how they show up against the rivals. That's the good news. Is you got the big rivalry series here, and that that could certainly. I think they'll be ready to play, and we'll see how they come out and against the Bulls. It should be a big, intense series. And but yeah, it, look, it's frustrating. And I, I, I know I, I got a lot of people messaging me during that series. What happened? And this, and I, I appreciate it because it means people care about as the though pro- you're, as though you're the soothsayer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, yeah. yeah, it was funny. My my thing was blowing up with like you know, okay. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, Wichita, and people don't want to hear this, but Wichita State's really good. Uh, oh, yeah. I think they're the I mean, best they're second, in the second in the league right now at nine and six over well, and I think, in the conference. I, I think 
I think they're the best team in the league. They've beaten Arkansas. They've beaten Oklahoma State twice. They've beaten Nebraska twice. They have a dynamic offense. Um, I think they're going to end up winning the league. They will play USF the final week of the regular season. I think they're going to end up winning the regular season title, but time will tell on that. But uh, look, they lost to a good team. Unfortunately, uh, I think right now they're out. Their RPI is at 61. Historically, you're not getting in with an RPI of 61. So this is a must-win series. USF is a very... Good team. They also are, by the way, second in the league in home runs. So, you know, again, got to keep them in the park. And uh, that'll be the challenge here. And I think the fact that the weather will be a lot better than it was in Wichita, where it was windy and wind blowing out like Wrigley. You know, it's kind of like the old Wrigley Field Theory when the wind's blowing out. It's like a long day. It was kind of what it was. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how this young team, what, they, what their makeup is this weekend. If, yeah. if they can put that behind them, and I think it'll be a good series. And I think a rivalry will help you get locked in on that. You talked about Wichita, you know, I mean, you know, like you said, 28th with the RPI right now. If UCF is struggling, you know, that far down at 61, it's going to be a tough road to hoe, as they say. But, you know, again, they do have these opportunities coming up. You know, USF coming in, they're, they're, you know, they're a 40 RPI t- coming in. Yeah. And, you know, you can, and that's the advantage of playing the first place team is if you take care of business against them, you're going to chip into their lead. Um, at 10 and 5, you know, the, the fact is they're not, it's not devastating, you know, in, in terms of the overall big picture. It's just the way it happened was, dev- was devastating. And now, you're, now we're going to find out, I think, if this team, how mentally tough this team is right now. It was. I mean, it was. I mean, if you take one game, you just split the doubleheader. I think you're fine. I mean, you're fine, but, right. you know, you lose both games. And unlike and to, baseball, yeah, on, on walk off home runs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like I said, it's probably the two of the top five gut wrenching losses in the history of the program. So, and the problem is, unlike baseball, time is running out on softball. This is it. You got this weekend, and then next the following weekend, you've got East Carolina home senior weekend, mm-hmm. and then you got the conference tournament in Tampa, and that's it. So, yeah. time's running out. Unlike baseball, which they, you know, they have a marathon of games still to go. So, you know, look, the team's obviously got to bounce back. They've had some injuries. Courtney Roden's been out third base. That's hurt them a lot. Um, it's hurt their offense. It's hurt their defense, quite frankly. And she's got that Um, cast on her hand and all she can do is pinch run for now. Uh, I don't know. I will find out, but I'm, you know, I'll, uh, by the time this comes on the air, I'll literally be with the team in Tampa. So I'll probably have an idea if she'll be able to play this weekend or not. I have no idea, but they've missed her obviously. And you know, they've had some injuries in the back end of the rotation and pitching that's hurt them too, from a pitching uh, depth standpoint. So, um, you know, it's just is what it is. The sad thing is Jeff, I've talked about this all year long. I felt this team was a year away. If you would have told me they would be in this position where they're at right now with a chance to compete for the conference title with two weeks to go and playing your rivals, you know, with ramifications of that, I would have taken it. That would have been great. But because of the way we have gotten to this point has probably kind of changed some of that mindset. But again, this is still a young team. So I'll be curious to see how they come out. And, uh, you know, it's UCF, USF. You throw out the, you know, those, that's, you know, people talk about the war and I four rivalry. In my opinion, of all the sports, this is the sport where it's the top rivalry. They have played each other in the NCAA tournament. They've played each other in the, now in conference play. They've they've stopped playing each other for a while. Now they're playing each other again. And conference titles have had been in. You know, USF celebrated a conference title against UCF in 2016. UCF celebrated a tie- conference title against USF in 2015 on the field. So it's a lot of rivalry, long term, and uh, another chapter will be written this weekend. All right, so we'll be uh, following that one for you. And Eric, you're going to be, um, yes, you're going to be on the horn for that one too, right? I, well, here's the funny part. You want to guess where they have 
put me for the broadcast for this weekend? On the roof of the Sun Dome, probably. You're not that far off. Uh, <laughs> they're putting me at the deck. If anybody has been to this place, it's a baseball slash softball stadium together. There's a deck uh, in the second level where you can actually watch both baseball and softball. Well, they, apparently they're putting me in the deck outside to uh, broadcast. So that's the, where I will how's be. How's the so, weather supposed to be in Tampa? supposed to be good. I did check that right away. It's a 10% chance of rain, but it is Florida after all. Uh, on that note, all UCF fans that are coming out to the series, please find me so you can keep me company so I make sure I don't get harassed by USF people or the weather, for that matter. So okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. So we got that coming up. No midweek. Um, the uh, Friday game is at 4.30 p.m., uh, Saturday at 4, Sunday at 11 a.m. Uh, 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 no, no, no. Oh, got to correct you. See, the chain, times have changed. That's why you have me. Ah, the Saturday. Okay has been switched. It's now a 6.30 Saturday game, and the uh, Sunday game is at 2. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Glad you corrected me on that one. Good. All right. Uh, a couple things I wanted to uh, catch up on real quick. So track and field. I want to get in with track and field because their uh, season is coming down to the wire. Um, they have uh, one more uh, meet before the conference meets. They're at UNF. Uh, on Friday, April 27th, at the War Eagle Invitational uh, this past Friday and Saturday at Auburn, Alabama. Um, Rosie Chamberlain won the 800 meters in uh, 205.58. Natasha Jordan finished third in the high jump. Ebony Creer was uh, third in the 400 hurdles. So um, wanted to get wanted to give uh, congratulations out to some of those uh, to some of those track and field athletes in the relatively limited opportunities that they get to strut their stuff with, with only so many meets. So uh, job well done by them. Um, women's tennis uh, and men's tennis both lost in the semifinals of the American Athletic Conference uh, tournament. Um, men's lost to Tulane 4-2 to two after beating Tulsa in the first round. Uh, women's lost to SMU um, after beating Tulane in the first round. So now they both wait to see um, what the situation is for the NCAA tournament. Women's is basically a lock at 19-4. and four. Um, Men's, it's a little bit tougher situation. We, we just don't know. They're at 12-9 and nine right now. So even though they played a murderer's row schedule, um, we don't know what the situation is going to be, so we just have to wait and see on men's and women's tennis to see whether they get into the uh, tournaments. Um, men's and women's golf. Um, we mentioned uh, women's golf last uh, last week that they came in uh, uh, that they uh, came up short in the American Athletic Conference championship. They failed to make it as a team into the NCAA regionals, but um, Kaylee Jones did uh, get invited to the regionals as an individual competitor. So congratulations to Kaylee. Best of luck to her. She's going to the Tallahassee. Um, regional and will compete as an individual golfer. Men's golf finished in third place um, at the American Athletic Conference Championships at Palm Harbor, um, and they will await to see the situation with the, uh, with you know whether or not they go to the NCAA's as well. So we'll just have to wait on wait and see on that. All right. So as we finish up here, boys, uh, we'll start with you, Brian. What do you have coming up? I know you hinted at some stuff that you've got coming up about spring football. Um, and then, of course, yeah, the draft coming up. But what do you have? What do you have coming up in addition to that? 
Yeah, I'm going to have a spring spring football article up, and I know Eric's going to read it because he thinks it's really important. <laughs> and so I, I am going to have an article up about the, the takeaways and just sort of what we did learn <clears throat> over the month and a half of spring ball. And then uh, I also uh, have an article coming out probably uh, Friday morning, another UCF baseball notebook after I talk to the coaches and players uh, tomorrow. Um, also working on a Ryland Thomas feature uh, uh, that uh, will come out some point later. Uh, the Bryce Tucker feature has not yet met my stamp of approval. <laughs> I have wrote like three editions of it now, and I'm not liking it still. Hit but it's still coming. For crying out loud! It's, I can't do it for I, you. Just hit I, it. No, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not. It's not in the system yet because I don't want you to see anything I have written because I don't like it yet. I don't like it. <laughs> I want it to be better. So it'll Get it be out better. there. It'll be out there some point. It'll be there some point before before the end of May. No, it'll be out there very soon. I swear. I will get over my own, uh, you know, perfectionism BS. But yeah, that's what I've got going out. I will never. I'll never knock wow. you for your professionalism, except for just now. Uh, Elo, what do you have? I'll be in Tampa in a deck, the second level there for calling UCF-USF weekend. You got the sunscreen and... uh... I guess. It's weird. This is the third time I've broadcasted there. Uh, Actually, fourth time. Third time with UCF, and this is the third completely different place they have put me in for a UCF broadcast. I don't know why uh, it's not consistent, but uh, hey, we're going to be at a party deck. So, hey, you know, let's have some fun with that. And uh, so I'll be in Tampa. Uh, calling that series, and I'm sure I'll be uh, Jeff will be telling me off the air breaking down the Sword Awards, right? <laughs> uh, no, well, the Sword Awards already happened, but we'll be, I'll be sending, uh, we'll be, I'll be uh, trolling for uh, nominees for the Bannies here pretty soon, so we'll have to we'll right. have to get on that. I will be uh, following the behave yourself on the party deck, by the way. Uh, I will be following the uh, NFL draft this weekend to see um, who gets drafted where from UCF to see. Um, you know, you know what, what are going to be the interesting places? Who's going to have the chance to uh, shine in their new uh, in their new jobs? And we'll also be following, uh, especially come Sunday and Monday, the the uh, undrafted free agency situation. Who's going to get a tryout with different places and uh, and see if that works out? You know? uh, so Jeff, it should be Jeff, a very you, busy uh, weekend. Are you going to are you going to are you, you write about uh, the players after they're drafted? Um, You're going to do see. a little like prospect like. Project, like projecting like what they could do on their their certain teams that's my hope that's my hope is to see you know okay. what the depth charts look like and see um and see you know who has the you know of the later round guys you know how good of a chance they have of making the team um how good do the uh, early round guys have a chance to start you know what's the situation there so um so that should be, be a, a lot of fun to take a look at and uh, see i love the nfl draft it's it's kind of it's it's probably my it's probably my favorite sporting event if you can call oh, it that. Oh, come on. No, of the year. Yeah. Oh. No, seriously. I mean, more I, than like the more than like the first two days of the NCAA basketball tournament? I, it's oh gosh. Yeah, I, I was one of those I was one of those draft knit kids when I was younger. I used to sit in my room and watch like all three days. Like I used to, you know, follow things and everything. And I I just they just never got out, got away from that. The first two days of the NCAA tournament were up there. Super Bowl certainly up there. But the NFL draft, I don't know what it is. I, I'm just a gigantic nerd. It just does it for me. I, it, that, that's, I love it. Well, you said it yourself. I don't need to add to that. I mean, I think the audience <laughs> could figure it. Yeah, it could, could go. Oh, they'll just tweet you on that. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. That's, that's fine. That's, yeah, I, I also I, want the audience I, I to know. 
the, I, I also want the audience to know the reason why I brought up asking Jeff whether he'd write about the players after they're drafted is I really want to ask him on air and make sure he'd do it so I didn't have to. There you go. So <laughs> look at that. You just you just got it. You just got an insight into our story meetings here at Black and Gold Banner. Exactly. <laughs> Live on it the works. podcast. <laughs> All right. Let's put a bow on this thing. Uh, so remember, you can hit us up at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Uh, you can follow us at facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. And you can also follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric at Eric Lopezilla. I'll be tweeting from the Donaldson deck up at USF Softball Stadium, folks. Come on out. Say hello. And Brian Murphy. And, yeah, it's, it's, and Brian Murphy is at Real Donald Trump. Is that I think it's all oh. That's me. Don't I got forty million followers. Kanye, Kanye, Kanye Mir tight. Spokes underscore Murphy, I think, is is, <laughs> is the actual Twitter handle. Um, and, uh, of course, you can uh, subscribe and rate our podcast. Please do so. Subscribe, rate, and share. We are on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Guys, thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, Jeffrey. All right. See you from the deck, guys. All right. Enjoy. Bring your sunscreen. That'll do it for us. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch up with you again next week.